When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Check it out. Hey, what's good, everybody? After a little hiatus break before basketball started getting underway, I am back. I am Jason Jones. I write about a bunch of different things for The Athletic, and I'm also the host of this here podcast, the Rule of the Court podcast, brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network, where I talk Kings basketball, anything else basketball-related, should I choose, hip-hop music, and whatever else in the hell comes to my crazy mind over the course of an episode. Uh, Glad to be back. Uh, coming to you after Media Day uh, kicked off the return of the NBA, NBA training camp, so on and so forth. Yeah, um, let me just start by saying this. I generally, at this point, don't really care much about Media Day. You know, I tweeted a little bit about it, but I pretty much don't care. And here's why. Everyone's going to get asked pretty much the same thing. You know, what did you work on? Your, what did you work on in the offseason? You know, if a guy or something, you know, just, you know, you're going to get the same answers. You know, would you work on your game? I worked on everything. Tried to get strong, you know, blah, 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 blah. And everyone thinks they're going to make the playoffs or, you know, you know, bad teams all are going to make the playoffs. And good teams are all playing for a championship. When the reality is there are some teams who we all know are going to stink this season. <laughs> and don't have a chance and really only a small number of teams have a legit chance of winning a championship but hey it's all fun to kind of chime you know get everyone's take perspective blah 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 have a little fun with it so what I decided to do was uh take you know I had a you know no that's gonna sound funny I had a prior engagement today you know and so I didn't catch Luke all of Luke Walton but to, you know, I have some, you know, my buddy Luke is not going to come out and divulge anything crazy in media day. I know he said the emphasis is going to be defense, which it should be. And it should be the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth focus of the Kings is defense. But I want to touch on some of the players that talked, three in particular. Uh, three guys, two in particular, who kind of have the timelines going around Sacramento Kings Twitter world and that would be uh, I'll start with Marvin Bagley the third uh, it's been a, an interesting up up and down uh, mainly a lot of downs in his three previous seasons in Sacramento 
some thought for sure that last season would be his last season in Sacramento. Ever since prior to last season's trading deadline, it's been no secret that Bagley had been made available. The Kings hadn't gotten any type of offer that was, you know, to their liking. Bagley's value to other teams around the league wasn't particularly high to where a team was going to give up much major for a guy who makes $11.3 million this coming season. And what makes Marvin's case interesting is because, you know, in some of his public comments at the end of the season and then even on his own podcast, he kind of referenced the idea of wherever he's playing, wherever he's playing. That was kind of the reference point, wherever he's playing, as if, you know, I'm gone, but, you know, wherever I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine. And, you know, of course, that hasn't happened. <laughs> You know, he's still a king. You know, uh, when you hear any of those Ben Simmons talks, Marvin Bagley's name is the one that comes up a lot, largely due to the fact that they would need a big... Con uh, oh, no, I shouldn't say it. You know, $11.3 million isn't really big in today's NBA, but they would need a, you know, a, you know, a, a contract that's beyond the minimum to help make the numbers work. But everyone's kind of assumed, or a lot of people assume Marvin would be gone. And I was never in the Marvin's definitely gone category. So, Marvin clearly is here. Marvin will practice <laughs> starting Tuesday with the team and said he kept about 240 pounds, you know, trying to, you know, get his body right. You know, like I said, typical media day cliche shit. But what, what kind of got everyone's attention was he said he's in Sacramento because God wants him to be in Sacramento. And there's so many ways you can take that. And people, of course, did had some good jokes on the Twitter timeline. Someone said, well, maybe God hates the, you know, God is not a Kings fan if Marvin's still here. Somebody said, why is God being brought into this? And it's interesting to me because generally when something's about, you know, you know, especially religious folk or in this case, you know, me, I can say this as a black guy. Uh, so a lot of times I'm black folks, so this is what God wants for me right now. Basically, you're, a lot of times you're saying, I'm going through the storm, but God must be doing this to me for a reason, to get me stronger, to get me better for the next stop or the next phase. So <laughs> it was just interesting to hear him. You know, Marvin referenced God and God wanting to be in king and God's plan. He referenced God quite a bit while he was talking. And like I said, generally in the black culture, black community, when it comes down to saying this is in God's hands or God's plan, that's another nice way of saying, I have no idea why I'm going through this or why I'm here. I have no idea. And so you just, you know, you say, maybe this is what God ha wants for me right now. And perhaps that's the case for Marvin. Maybe he's at that point where he's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm here, but maybe he, there is some other lesson he's supposed to learn before he leaves Sacramento. Or who knows, maybe things break well for him this season and he has this great season and voila, voila. Everyone falls in love with Marvin Bagley the third again. You know, but either way, the jokes on the timeline were great. Had me cracking up. People talking about, you know, God wants him here until his dad tweets. I mean, it, I mean, it was funny stuff. I know Marvin said that he doesn't really feel he needs to explain or to fans or kind of explain the idea of, you know, why he wants, whether he does or doesn't want to be here. And I agree. He has, he has an OSA explanation. 
And I think you got to be blind or, just, or a fool or maybe just really ignorant to not understand why he would want out of Sacramento. I mean, makes sense to me. It's been a rough three years. You know, his minutes, you know, he wasn't playing in the fourth quarter. Even though as I, would, I would gladly point out, to be fair, there was reasons why he wasn't playing in those, in those uh, clutch situations. Mainly, be, you know, because he couldn't play defense. You know, but, yeah, you know, it's just going to be an interesting time. I don't know if Marvin Bagley begins the year as a starter. You know, Luke Walton, there's going to be a lot of competition for a lot of spots. So, just be, I'll just be monitoring and watching to see what God has in store and God has in the plans for Marvin Bagley III. And do, and do those plans include him becoming a productive member of the Sacramento Kings this coming season? And uh, and another guy who uh, was subject to a lot of trade rumors, uh, and was damn near traded, one Mr. Buddy Heald. He talked to the media today, and Buddy was has you no know, his you no know, no since 2017 has been a real talkative guy with the media, always open, always chatty. And last season, maybe because he's it's a zoom deal and we couldn't actually be around the players to talk to them i don't know what the deal was but it was just harder and harder to for it seemed like to, to wrangle him up to get him you know to talk to other media folks and i don't i guess i'm not mad at him for it it was just it was just different to not talk to buddy on the regular like we did and again buddy's had a had an interesting summer you know it looked like he was going to be a laker he damn near was a Laker until clearly LeBron James and company decided they'd rather have Russell Westbrook. So, hey, is what it is. But one thing his buddy said was he talked about, you know, whatever his role is, he's fine. You know, he's fine with his role. You know, like I said, the cliches, you know, whatever it takes to help the team win. He views himself as a starter, but he's gonna do whatever. You know, like I said, you know, typical stuff that you expect to hear on media day. And one thing I thought was kind of a was a well, no, I'll say it was interesting. It kind of caught my attention. He and Buddy says he's still in Sacramento because the people love him. And I and I was wondering which people was he referring to because I know people who do love him. There are plenty of people who are, you know, quite frankly, sick of buddy shit. And I don't know if that's a... I'm not saying that not to say that I'm sick of buddy shit, but I say that kind of to sum up how they feel about buddy. More so the idea that he's the... He, last season, he's the highest paid player on the team, but he his defense is yuck most of the time. And as a two-guard... He wasn't exactly, you know, I think it, it, you're not going out and just stress this guy. You're not stressing the truth if you say that Buddy Hield was not a top 10 or maybe top 12, 14 shooting guard in the NBA last season. And people would expect that from a guy making as much money as he did. It's not fair sometimes to judge a guy by his contract. You know, I don't know anyone anyone turning down money, but... That's just the way things broke for Buddy last season. And sure, there were people who liked Buddy, but they like they. I'm, I'm going to say this though. They might like Buddy, 
but they like Buddy how they in a certain way. They like Buddy as a player off the bench. They like Buddy as an efficient guy who's not taking a, a gang of threes. You know, they they like you know they like Buddy not dribbling. <laughs> so yeah, people do like Buddy. I'm not gonna say people don't like Buddy. You know, just on a personal level, I like dealing with Buddy. But there are also plenty of people who can't stand uh you know probably can't stand Buddy. So it is what it is, but it was it, the best part about Buddy's presser is that near the end he's asked kind of about the day where it looked like he was gonna be a Laker and what was going through his head. And lo and behold, here comes Tristan Thompson. Uh, a player that a lot of folks assumed would not be on the team this year. They assumed he was getting traded to be traded again, and he's you know, and he plays the role of essentially, I don't know what you know, like you know, buffer, and it's also part you know, comedy comedy relief where he just kind of says, hey, why are you asking that, you know, you know, why are you asking that, you know, what's the point of asking that? There's no need to you know go there. Little buddy is here on media day as a Sacramento King. You know, let's focus on that. You know, you know all the kind of stuff you would expect. You know, a teammate to say. And it was just interesting that Tristan was the guy doing that. It's because he's one of the new guys. So you know, you're probably not expecting him to be the guy jumping in there and essentially saying leave Buddy alone when it comes to the Lakers stuff. But Tristan got up there and he was he was uh, great and what's interesting too is that prior to all this stuff I talked to people in Las Vegas during summer league and one of the things they had said to me was if Tristan is on the Kings he's going to help them he's going to be a great professional in that locker room those young guys are going to gravitate to him he's going to have their back and he's going to help them a lot so if him stepping in during that presser and doing what he did is the start of that, I guess people are right. Maybe he will be a good fit for this team. And then his press conference was just very entertaining. Dropped a couple of F-bombs. I can say fuck on here. It's my shit. I say what I want. Yeah. Said fuck a couple of times. Probably wasn't great for, you know, the live feed and the, and the media folks streaming that. But, hey, it is what it is. You know, and I thought he said, you know, in terms of uh, his assessment of the Kings. And I thought it was a, probably kind of a poignant point where he says they were fun to watch and fun to play against. And it, the, the fun to play against was the part that caught my attention because the Kings were really a team that because of their up and down style, you got to score a lot of points. And because of their lack of defense, you might get a career high. So... Yeah, the Kings were fun to play against, but probably not fun in the way the Kings would like to be fun to play against. I'm sure they're not proud of the fact that probably most of the league said, shit, the Kings are in town, or we're going to Sacramento. We're getting a cool 120 tonight. I'm sure they didn't like that, but it was just interesting to hear Tristan kind of break it down like that. And he talked about how he had been on, he's been on championship level teams, he's been on rebuilding teams, he's kind of been in the middle, and... Like where the Kings are right now. And I always find it interesting when people ask players who have been Kings their whole careers. What does it take to be a playoff team? Uh, how do I say this? How the fuck would they know? They've never been there. They don't know what it takes. you got to get some guys in there who know what it takes. 
And I don't mean like I made the playoffs for, you know, and we went to the first round and that's it. Like guys who were, you know, perennial playoff participants. And Tristan's the guy like that. I think the Kings need, you know, they have they have Harrison Barnes already, but I don't think Harrison's been to the playoffs since he was a warrior. It's been a minute. So he knows what it takes, but damn it, Harrison misses the playoffs too. But, you know, for the for most of his career, Tristan has been, you know, a good portion of it at least. At least, you know, since he was around LeBron. And then moving forward, you know, getting out of there and being in Boston last year. He's been around playoff level teams a more than a lot of guys on this roster. So I do believe he can provide something in the locker room. With that, he talked about uh, when it came to guys like Marvin and, you know, particularly on defense, he he made a very another very poignant point where he said sometimes teams will skip pro- the process in developing a young player. And maybe he's not ready to go to stage three, four defensively. you got to keep him where he is and let him get better. And is that the case with Marvin? I don't really know. But... The fact that he understands that and he said, you know what, kind of as a teammate, if he sees things Marvin can work on, he's going to point them out to him, you know, and that's going to be good for that's going to be good for them. And I look forward to seeing what Tristan does with that. And then then, then there was a one he talked about, you know, being a teammate of Luke, said Luke looks better now than he did as a player that maybe Luke needs to go out and practice and show guys how to do stuff. He said you know, Luke was throwing him, you know, high-low passes for a year and a half and they were in Cleveland together. So that makes, I would say that makes Luke old, but I think I'm older than Luke, so I'm not going to say it makes him old, but it is a crazy world that Tristan is 30 years old. He's now an 11-year vet and he's like, like the, essentially the player with the most NBA experience on the roster and he's 30. So that's crazy. That's crazy to me. But that's the NBA. As Tristan said, the league is getting younger. And my last thing I want to talk about from Tristan was uh, people try to make a comp about you know who does Tyrese remind them of, who does he play like, and Tristan said Tyrese reminds him of a young Sean Livingston. And I was like, bingo, that's perfect. I never thought about that. Of course, y'all jumped on the Twitter timeline to remind me that Sean Livingston never shot three-point shots and and Tyrese will shoot a three-point shot. Yeah, I get it. But in terms of being a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, you know, ball-handling guard, smart, savvy, and a lot of people, you know, people younger than me, don't remember Sean Livingston in his younger days when he was a... Uh, you know, fourth overall pick in the draft and had, you know, had the makings of a guy he thought would be an all-star to so hit that that nasty injury that then set him back for, for a while. But I think that's a great comp for uh, Tyrese. I'm sure the Kings would like him to be Sean Livingston plus, you know, a little bit more. But that's a good comp. And if you've got guys like that on your team, you've got something to build on. I think that's going to be good for the Kings. So... Those are my media day takeouts. Things seem to be, like I said, everyone's happy right now. Because why? It's media day. And everyone's always happy. But it is what it is. And before I get into my music uh, take for this episode, I want to tell you all about DraftKings Sportsbook. 
and let you know that week three of football is in the books and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any game this week to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restriction supply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or Indiana 1-900, excuse me, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And with that being said, I think I did have a good fantasy week. Finally won a game in one of my leagues, but, <laughs> you know, hit up DraftKings for that. And I'm going to switch over to uh, some hip-hop talk. We got a few days before the end of September, and that's generally when the cutoff date is for Grammy nominations. So what I want to kind of talk about is, I forget how many albums they let you have now for album of the year. It's like 18, you know, people get nominated, but I'm not going to go through all of those. I'm not going to bore you any more than you already are, but I was just thinking about my top five hip-hop albums of the year, and by just saying five, I'm not going to ignore some, leave some people out. I may come back later in the week with a part two, but if we're going to cut off uh albums that are eligible to be nominated at the end of the month who are my top five right now one uh j cole not not one in terms of he's ranking number one I'm saying one of them is j cole another is kanye west another is drake another is nas and the other one's tyler the creator all very different types of albums very different you know j cole you know, came with a strong effort early. Um, then you got Kanye, who gave us something completely different and kind of had to, you know, and somebody's growing you, but all the music artsy people I know just rave about the musicianship and the sonic, the sonic, the sound, and all that stuff. And there is some good music on there, too. You got Drake, who gave us kind of a, I want to say, kind of a classic Drake album. It's a, you know, I enjoyed it. You know, it wasn't anything groundbreaking, per se, but it was a Drake album. And Drake albums are usually good. Nas and Hit Boy combined again for uh, King's Disease 2. You know, back-to-back solid efforts from Nas. And then Tyler, the creator, you know, Call Me If You Get Lost. And like I said, I might do five more later on this week, but amongst this five, and I think even no matter who I talk about later on in the week, should I do that? For me, the album, the hip-hop album of the year is Tyler, the Creator. 
Uh, this is this is an album that I have not stopped playing since it came out, and especially in the streaming era, I think in the streaming era, it's kind of easy to get you know distracted because you just got so much music at your disposal. You know, it's literally on your phone. You can listen to whatever you want, but I just think of I think Tyler put together a very creative project. Uh, he gave us a unique concept. In 2021, he basically gave us a mixtape, you know, type, you know, an album hosted by DJ Drama. And for those who are a little younger, about 10, 12 years ago, plus, you know, DJ Drama put a mix, hosted your mixtape. That was the shit. So just to give us something a little different like that. I I just thought it was phenomenal. I thought it told a story. Each song, you know, t- told an intricate story about him. Since we got to know him a little deeper, you know, some of the, you know, some of these stories and songs he told were just so, I mean, there was vulnerability, there were laughs, there was insight. It was everything. I thought it was a brilliant album. And that would be my choice for album of the year. I'd probably have J. Cole second. At this point, but I was already to change my mind. But those are the two uh, albums, you know. To me, they were my favorites so far this year. And like I said, I have to go back and I'm gonna go back and keep reviewing. You know. You know, just maybe go through. What you know, all the albums that I want to uh, kind of go through and see what I got. And see, you know, see who I'm missing, but those are just the five off the top of my head, and, you know, it's always cool to save, <laughs> in essence, save some for later, so to speak. So, we can always come back later on in the week with some different albums, talk about those. You can hit me on Twitter, at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones, and tell me what you think, if you think, you know, who am I missing from the first half of the nomination? I think they do, like, ten albums now. You know, I know we got some, you know... I know some of the ones you guys are going to say, but I'm going to let you hit me with them before I show up again later in the week, bringing you what I think needs to be talked about. But, again, I think Tyler, the Creator's album was absolutely brilliant, start to finish, top to bottom. One of those great no-skip albums. Gotta love that. You know, the Little Wayne feature on there is just outstanding. Tyler has, you know, you know, some great lines. He bought a boat because he'd rather cry in the ocean, you know, (laughs) you know, just, you know, you've got the talk about excess and being wealthy, you know, just growth from L.A., not, you know, not being the typical rapper, you know, just kind of, you know, you're not having the, the typical hood L.A. rap story and being different about how his life changed when he left L.A. for the first time. There's just so much good stuff in that album, and I can't say enough about it. And if it doesn't win Rap Album of the Year, I'm going to have some questions. But, again, as I've done a Grammy episode before, we all know the rap, you know awards for the Grammys can be so fucked up sometime. There's no need to uh, put too much stock in. This is all fun and debate for me, you know. The 
I think I I have Tyler ahead of J. Cole just because J. Cole's album was like less than 40 minutes. And that's as you all know, that's one of my pet peeves, short albums. But it was still great. But I wanted I wanted more. Like I said, Drake was good, but it wasn't like Drake did anything where I was like, wow, this is really blown me away. Like this is like new. Like it was Drake. Kanye's was in some ways innovative, but it was so long and yeah, it was so long, and my knock on Kanye would be that the best verses on his own album weren't from him. You know, those 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 uh, features were outstanding, whereas I don't think the best music on the album came from Kanye. So, that would be kind of like me nitpicking. Like I said, King's Disease, nah, that's just another great, that's a great album, top to bottom, start to finish, really good. Have no complaints about King's Disease. To me, that's like, or King's Disease 2, should I say. That's like grown folks hip-hop. It's like, you know, sit back with a cigar and some cognac or some scotch, chilling with the fellas, and you want some good, you know... It's like having, like, smooth jazz of hip-hop now. It's like you just chill and listen to it and enjoy it. So, I can't fault that. If they went to that with the album of the year, I would not throw anything out the window over that. I would not protest too greatly. So, there's that. But thanks again for listening. Uh, shout out to the Basketball Podcast Network for letting me run my mouth on their platform. Uh, you know where to find me, theathletic.com. Uh, the Yes, I'm Watching Wrestling Podcast, my little personal wrestling rants that I do every so often. You, you've got me on Culture Calculus, my other podcast. So you know where to find me in a multitude of places. Uh, again, uh, Twitter. At Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Instagram at Mr. Jones LBC. Uh, I don't think I've missed anything. I think I've covered every podcast I do. Everything I write. Check out the culture vertical on the po- of the athletic to find me. I'm doing a lot more work there. You know, giving y'all a little something different than, the, than my usual King stuff. Stay tuned for that as I kind of uh, explain what the hell it is I'm actually doing these days. So... Y'all be good out there. Y'all take it easy. This is Jason Jones. This is the Ruler of the Court podcast. And I will see y'all or I will speak to y'all when I speak to y'all again. I'm out and I'm gone.